This is AgriPulse Daybreak for Thursday, September 15th. Brought to you by Watkinson Miller and Dairy Management Incorporated. Good morning, I'm Jeff Daly. Here's today's headlines. Rail concerns Royal D.C. Climate projects divide key R's and food concerns cross ideology. White House struggles with rail talks. Worries of a possible rail strike have been growing in Washington amid ongoing concerns about the health of the U.S. economy. The Consumer Brands Association reported yesterday that railroads were preparing to stop shipments of crops as early as today and were already delaying fertilizer shipments. Meanwhile, Labor Secretary Marty Walsh continued working yesterday to try to resolve the impasse ahead of the end of a cooling-off period tomorrow. I know the administration is very concerned, said Senator John Bozeman, the senior Republican on the Senate Ag Committee. The problem is that the transportation sector is so fragile right now. About 4,900 machinists, mechanics, and facility maintenance personnel voted to authorize a strike yesterday after rejecting a tentative agreement with the National Carriers Conference Committee. The union said it would wait until September 29th to strike. The contract the workers rejected, including recommendations from an emergency board President Biden appointed to arbitrate the dispute, which included a 24% compounded wage increase from 2020 to 2024. By the way, Republicans tried to get the Senate yesterday afternoon to vote on ratifying the board's recommendations, but Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont blocked that particular move. Key Republicans diverge on climate projects. Senator Bozeman is fairly complimentary of the way Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack put together the $2.8 billion in climate smart commodity projects announced yesterday. In an interview with AgriPulse, Bozeman said he hadn't had a chance to review the whole list, but believes the projects will, quote, make a difference not only in climate, but in just making things more efficient for agriculture. Vilsack also satisfied Bozeman's concerns that USDA can pay for the projects out of the department's Commodity Credit Corporation account without causing problems for other farm programs that rely on CCC funding. I think we'll have the opportunity as time goes by to review the projects to see how they're working, Bozeman said. He said there could be some good ideas that come out of the projects that lawmakers can consider as they write the next farm bill. But Bozeman's counterpart on the House Ag Committee, Glenn G.T. Thompson of Pennsylvania, was highly critical of Vilsack's plan, accusing the secretary of abusing his CCC authority. The Biden administration is unilaterally spending billions of dollars without congressional input. It's as though Secretary Vilsack is intent on having Congress once again limit his ability to use the CCC, Thompson said in a statement. On nominees, Bozeman expects the committee to move relatively soon on some USDA nominees. 
Stacey Dean's nomination to be Undersecretary for Food and Nutrition Programs has been held up while the committee waits for a Government Accountability Office report on USDA's update of the Thrifty Food Plan. The TFP update resulted in a significant increase to SNAP benefits. Bozeman says he expects to see the GAO report in the very near future. We'll have more AgriPulse Daybreak after this. Located in Washington, D.C., Watkinson Miller has been providing legal services to the agriculture industry for more than 30 years. The attorneys at Watkinson Miller possess a unique combination of knowledge, skills, and experience working with commodity boards and their partner organizations and the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Watkinson Miller is proud to serve the agriculture community by delivering top-quality legal services that achieve cost-effective results. Welcome back to AgriPulse Daybreak. Vilsack caps CCC for food aid, too. Secretary Vilsack is using the Commodity Credit Corporation to provide nearly $2 billion for food assistance, including nearly a billion dollars to buy U.S.-grown food for food banks. Nearly $500 million will go to local food purchase assistance program, which states use to buy local foods for emergency food systems. The remaining $500 million will go to schools for purchasing food. Food concerns cross ideological divide. A new survey confirms that there are some ideological divisions among Americans over food, especially when it comes to what's best for the environment. But the Purdue University research also finds that large numbers of conservatives have doubts about the safety of conventionally produced foods. Some highlights include two-thirds of liberals and about a third of conservatives believe agriculture is a large contributor to climate change and that eating less meat is better for the environment. Ag is responsible for about 10% of U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. When it comes to genetically engineered food, the difference isn't so great. Only 36% of conservatives agree that genetically modified food is safe to eat, compared to 43% for liberals. And 40% of conservatives think organic products are safer than conventional foods. 55% of liberals believe that's true. Some 50% of conservatives believe climate change will affect food prices, and 56% believe that local food is better for the environment. Purdue economist Jason Lusk tells AgriPulse the survey results on biotech food may stem from education differences. Previous research indicates higher educated consumers are, quote, more likely to think GMOs are safe and liberals tend to be more highly educated, he said. White House urged to include ag in food discussions. The U.S. food and agriculture sector must be at the heart of any discussion about how to end hunger and improve nutrition that according to a new memo from a collection of well-known advocates offering input on the upcoming White House Hunger and Nutrition Conference. We must seize the opportunity to transform the U.S. food and agriculture system to address hunger, nutrition, and disease, they say in the memo released yesterday. 
Doing so will not only help our nation become healthier, but it will also unlock solutions to other interconnected and critical challenges of our time, like curbing climate change, restoring biodiversity, advancing racial equity, improving local and regional food systems, and strengthening farm, ranch, and rural economies. Signers include Todd Barker, CEO of the Meridian Institute, Martin Blame, the director of the Johns Hopkins Center for Livable Future, Reverend Eugene Cho, president and CEO of Bread for the World, Melissa D. Ho, senior vice president for Freshwater and Food at the World Wildlife Fund, Ferd Hofer, principal at Farm, Food, and Environmental Policy Consulting, and Mark Lavender, policy director for the National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition. FAS resuming weekly export sales report. USDA's Foreign Agriculture Service is set today to resume publishing its weekly export sales reports. FAS yesterday confirmed previous reporting by AgriPulse that the report released today will contain four weeks of data. FAS stopped releasing the weekly reports after problems installing the new reporting system. FAS has returned to using its old system until it can work out the problems with the new system that exporters use to enter data. Well, here's today's She Said It. We already have high input costs, so the last thing we want to see is supply chain disruptions and further increases to those inputs. That Allison Rivera, Executive Director of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, on the possibility of a rail strike. Well, that's Daybreak for this Thursday, September 15th. Brought to you by Watkinson Miller and Dairy Management Incorporated. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak, I'm Jeff Daly.